Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist and advanced accredited gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist, a sex and intimacy coach, author, podcast host, and presenter of Open House, The Great Sex Experiment. I have been working with people for the last 35 years, helping them to create and maintain incredible relationships that contain amazing sex. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time, and today the letter is M, and M is for media. Joining me today is Brian Gross, president of BSGPR. He's been in the service of media and public relations over 29 years. Gross has been employed by companies such as Deaf American Recordings, Warner Brother Records, Reprise Records, Electra Entertainment Group, Vivid Entertainment Group, and such organizations as the Lollapalooza Tour. Brian Gross was an executive producer for Reality X, The Search for Adam and Eve. His background includes all facets of public and media relations, working with some of the largest businesses, celebrities, and music acts in the world. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited. So um, I wanted to talk about media um, in relation to sex and relationships, because with... um, with the advent of social media, we now have a different kind of stardom that happens for people who are um, in any aspect of adult entertainment, potentially. Um, and I think people don't really understand like this whole influencer phenomenon. And I'm fairly sure that you have an idea about it and the differences well, go- between. Yeah, I'll go a step further because. As, as a human who reads the news, right? You and I, we talk all the time about this, about what goes on. And we've noticed that relationships have become more public than ever before. Yeah. And there's a door that's sort of been kicked down that I don't see us going back. I just see the openness uh, just occurring in a constant state. And it's almost like 
rain. It's just endless, right? It's just falling. And it's just, you're just getting pelted with this information. And there's positives and negatives, but I kind of want to focus on the negative first in the aspect of, and you bring up influencers, we're always comparing. So couple X, couple Y, celebrity couple this, Prince and Megan, right? Oh like my God. We're just being deluged with this information of people's personal lives. That and we don't want to know. We, we don't, don't want to, I did not to know, need to know about his frostbitten todger. Really didn't. I, I, I Listen, we'll probably get into opinions on, on this whole thing at some point in this conversation. I'll, I'll hold it for now. <laughs> but there is an aspect where we are just being fed too much personal information. And I don't know what the line is. Who am I to say? The unfortunate aspect is someone's clicking. So if someone's clicking, then said outlets are getting traffic, which means they're going to continue to feed, especially obviously the, the, the royalty part with, with, the, with the royal family. But you're just constantly reading about the following. So-and-so met. So-and-so are dating. Oh, look at their relationship. Oh, look at how happy they are. Oh, look, they're on the rocks. Uh-oh, turmoil. Oh, they've broken up slash divorced. Oh, now they're fighting. And you're just getting all of this information. And I am definitely concerned about how much that affects common folk and their relationships, which so you like, deal with. I think that's really interesting because, you know, I mean, because we're both older than the youngsters. I'm older than you are. I remember when um, the only people that you heard about were celebrities and you had to go to magazines to hear about them. But you there was also to, a glamor. There was a glamor right. to there it. There was a glamor. You didn't find out the nitty gritty. Yes. You saw drama, but not in the way you do now. You didn't yeah. find out the nitty gritty details um, because you didn't want to know. Yeah. And it's I like agree. the news. News, when the news, you know, people talk about affairs and sexual um, exploits of politicians and famous people. JFK was one of the most notorious womanizers on the planet. And we knew fuck all about that because there was a sense that it was inappropriate to pollute the running of the country with that sort of information. Um, and so, you know, I, I mean, I think people do compare themselves. I think your concern is valid. I think now people have all the nitty gritty details of all these people. Plus, through social media, they have access in a way that they didn't before. Yeah. And so there are quite a few stars who answer questions who you, you can really be in connection with. Um, yeah. and there's, there's access as well. And so people compare their own relationships. Yeah. I, I always feel like, J going to the JFK thing. JFK now would never happen. Mm -mm. And Obama was truly an anomaly in presidential mm -hmm. leadership. Because I don't think we'll ever have someone as, as you know, able and well-spoken and this wife, two children, just this life that we all, for, we strive for in one way or another. I'm not saying perfectly, but we certainly strive. So yeah. We're just inundated and there's so much of it. And you worry about people that are dependent or look at that, you know, 
the power of the Kardashians, right? And all of their influence and all of their relationships and their quote unquote drama that is all over. Uh, they're hard workers. They, they, you know, they don't sit and they don't rest on their laurels. So, but they, and they make everything public for better or worse. Um, so it's, it's this Pandora's box that at some point was opened and is just to never be closed at this rate, unless, you know, somehow we turn off social media completely and change the media perspective and landscape completely because the media is dependent on finances and making money. And they have to write about and they have to publish what brings people in and that's the ultimate conundrum when you have sort of that church and state split that has occurred in media where money has had such an influence in what you and i are are fed as far as news goes and it's i mean it's it's really difficult for me to kind of get my head around you know as the person who's in the public eye to, to some extent more than your average human absolutely um, it's had a huge impact on me. Um, people feel entitled to information that I don't feel they're entitled to. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, yeah. And I'm pretty open because I talk about sex and relationships. I'm open about my orientation. I'm open about what I do. I'm open about certain partners who have given me permission to be open about them. But I don't, you know, I don't feel that people have a right I also remind people that just because I'm open doesn't mean they really know all there is to know about me because there's always stuff that as far as I'm concerned is part of my personal life. Yeah. But people feel that they have a right and that they know you and they project all sorts of shit yeah. as well. In, in your position, you, at the end of the day, you have to, it's a careful balance. It's a mental balance for you. It's a careful balance because, you know, I believe this is the first time I'm being interviewed by a client, right? Like I'm, yeah. we're having this discussion. So when you say these things, I'm like, ooh, my, my work is, is paying off. But at the same time, it's, it's, that's a different Pandora's box. Fame is a son of a bitch. I, I always say that. Fame is a drug. And I know. Feel famous at this point. I know that sounds that always sounds funny because I don't know when it is the person owns perspective that. versus reality. Yeah, all I is. mean, I do get I do get recognized. That has been a thing, um, and uh, uh, the more television I do, the more likely it's going to be a thing. Absolutely. Um, and and I, I joke about it. I mean, I joke about you know being trying to get a manicure with somebody telling me their life and pointing out that you know a lot of people actors who are famous for example people want a picture with them or they want a, a signature but with me they want to tell me what their issue is so in some ways that's just far more fucking intrusive like I'm sitting and having a conversation with somebody in a restaurant and somebody wants to come and tell me all about them or my son and I were at an event um, for a perfumer who I think it is magnificent. We were there to see him and then socialize, you know, and interact with him and some others that we know. And, and I had two people come up and just laugh their whole story on me, you know, that that's, you know, it, it's, 
and trying to get people to, to understand that that's not the right form for the conversation, that I appreciate they have something they want to share. Um, so here's my, here's my business card so you can make time with me. But they, I, you know, I don't want to answer those questions in public. So I go from working in the music industry to the adult industry, right? Right. So I go from working with bands to, to adult entertainment and to your, to what you're talking about, all of a sudden, if I was in a conversation and, and once I started working in adults, I was very private at first. I didn't scream it. You know, if, if you and I sat down and we just met, it would take a while for me to tell you what I do. We would talk about you first and I'm sort of that type of person. But to your point, as soon as you work in this, you do what? You're a publicist and the floodgate. All of a sudden the person felt comfortable, male, female, whatever, Everything. to open up. And then all of a sudden you and I just sit there and are just getting just these stories and, and, and sexual escape and they just feel comfortable which is nice but it also shows the sad part of our society that only people in our position you and I are 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 the ones that other people feel comfortable having these conversations with absolutely I mean I, I I'm, I'm never sure when that's going to happen I've been doing interviews and had the interview suspended because somebody ended up telling me something that they then went, oh, I can't include that. I need to edit that out. But they weren't finished. So 20 minutes of time while I'm listening to this important thing they're disclosing that wasn't part of the interview, right? Yeah. That we yeah. then have to go back and, and, and do the interview. Um, and part of my job is to make people comfortable. And I'm good at it. And that's great, right? That's great. Yeah. Um, that All also right. makes me a good interview. Yeah. You know, because people will say things and ask things that they might not otherwise ask. But it it it's trying to set those boundaries with people and and being clear about what's in the media and out. So every time somebody interviews me and since you and I've been working together, I do a lot more podcasts than I did previously. I'm, I've always done them, but now I do tons. Yeah. And um, every time they interview me, they always say, you know, what's off limits? What don't you want to be asked about? And I always say the same thing. I don't care, right? Like stuff is in the public domain. And, yeah. and uh, my thought to myself is you're not creative enough because you don't know me well enough to actually get to a question that I wouldn't want to answer. Yeah, sure. Right? And why, why create the boundary in the first place? Yeah. Because what, what do humans do when they're told no? Well, they go <laughs> for it. You they know? go for like, it. Why even create that boundary? It'd be ludicrous in the first place. But to, to that extent, we work with a, let's call it a trade, right? Which is sort yeah. of ludicrous and sort of puts down what, what it is. But sex as a trade, there's nothing like it. You know, there's music, there's film, there's different things, but it's not, we don't sell insurance. We no. don't sell real estate. No. I mean, it's sex and, and it's personal. And yeah. that was one of the things that I learned immediately when I, when I, went from music to adult. Uh, and I don't use the P word, by the way. You know, that's the one yeah. thing that I'll say it right now. The word porn in American society is frowned upon. It is a negative word. Yeah. And I'm not going to change it, nor am I even going to try. It's a negative word. Let it be. That's it. And I just don't use it. And it's something that 
you know, when I talk to people about that, I'm like, mm-hmm. always, you want to be highbrow, you want to be above class, you just say adult entertainment, you go from there. But um, when I made that move, it was very fascinating how personal, you know, there was a lot and there still is a lot of media that I talk to, I pitch, I send press releases that send me hate mail. Don't ever send this to me. How dare you know so on and so. And I'm used to it. At a certain point, after X amount of decades, you know you're not going to be affected by an email where someone is obviously something happened to them. That's what I've learned. Absolutely. And it's a sca- And the adult entertainment's the scapegoat of it's adult entertainment's fault. I dot dot dot. Well, what's really, what's really interesting about that for me is huge that uh, like, I, and I had this in an interview recently um, where the person who was interviewing me was actually, is actually part of the adult entertainment industry who asked about um, porn and porn watching and was saying that, you know, uh, they have friends that would fire boyfriends for that. And they weren't, sure how they would feel about their boyfriend watching other people and I was like that's ridiculous and there was this shocked expression and I said thing is that's entertainment but what about you know if they're looking at somebody else isn't that you know saying they're interested in that person I said not if they're a rational human being and it was like oh wait a minute what did you just say (laughs) right like some like some guy watching porn stars doesn't think that they have a chance in hell of having that. That's not why they're watching. It's not because they prefer. It's like saying somebody who has a crush on a movie actress and is masturbating to the image of a movie actress somehow wants that person more than they want their partner. Right. One is, one is usually often. And I was saying this masturbation often has nothing to do with sex per se, it's solo sex. It's a special kind of sex. And it's it's not about sex in the way we think of as wanting someone. And right. It's it's its own thing. And so it really has nothing to do with the partner. So firing your partner for indulging just is stupid, right? It's really <laughs> a little ridiculous. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But you actually have to explain that to people that this isn't what that's about because the um, the language and the rhetoric around pornography is it causes this, that, the other, the other, the other, the other. It's fascinating to me that people think a form of entertainment causes, like, it's like you don't understand causality. Well, we have that now where we have, and this is a technology thing, you look at video games, you know, we grew up on Atari and in television, they weren't yeah. very violent. And now you have video games that are more violent than real life. You have, you know, film, you have music, you have lyrics, you have things that are now sort of penetrate the the human mind. And then it's up to the human mind how to decipher that, right? You know, there is a lot of challenges with that. Then you throw in sexuality, you throw in, you know, adults, you throw in everything else. And, the, and, and we're reaching a certain point where what can the human mind, there's only 24 hours in a day, and what can the human mind tolerate before cracking, before whatever it is? And in your world and your profession and people you deal with, this is a constant with you because the barrage of sensory overload is, is pretty massive. 
and, is, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, it's interesting to me because um, you know, one of the things that people don't consider, they, they, they get the chicken and the egg wrong, right? So um, yeah. Joe, Joe or Jane, or yeah, Joe or Jane average, um, doesn't seek out and watch the most horrific um, adult entertainment available. I wouldn't even call it entertainment at that point, right? Yeah, agreed. Um, the things that are not legal, the things that you can't, oh. uh, you can only find, right? Um, the things search. are basically, they're non-consensual activities. Correct. Most people don't seek that out. So if you do research and you're looking at causation and you try and say that that causes the violent and criminal acts that people do, you've got it backwards. Yeah. People seek people who already are thinking that way, seek out things that validate their thought process. In general, that's what we do, yeah. right? We have desires and we seek out stuff that validates our desires. Some of those yeah. desires may be fantasy, things that we would never put into reality, but that we use for our own enjoyment. But they're things we would never put into reality. Yeah. So causation is the other way around. And people don't understand that. Um, and so, and they don't understand how to read research. And I say this all the time, people look at you know um, a relationship statistics around a relationship between two things and they infer causation which is wrong a relationship yeah. is a relationship there are very odd we have very odd relationships between things if you look at things mathematically um and so it's i don't think people know how to interpret their own responses to this barrage no they need them. How, how would they where would they get it from you know and this is now you know, we're the last generation to, to not, to come, you know, from a life pre-internet yes. into this, you know, Chuck Klosterman's book called the nineties is such a fantastic read because it reminds you that we're the, we're the last generation. Every generation future forward is a hundred percent wired and we yep. weren't. So, so we know a time that, that we weren't that way. So the wiring the constant barrage. We know a time when that didn't exist. Absolutely. So I was um, I was being interviewed the other day and, and somebody asked the question, as I usually get asked this in an interview, is how did you end up doing what you do? And my origin story, I have two versions of my origin story depending on the topic um, because both things are true, but it's a long-winded story. So I, I use the one that suits the interview, right? Sure. And I gloss over parts, but um, it's, you know, so one of the questions the person asked me was, well, but how did you know that about yourself? How did you know you like dominance? There was no internet. Where did you, how did you figure these things out? I'm going to be 60 in, in, in March. So, you know, I really, I pre all of this, you know, the first computers, uh, the first computer I was exposed to when I was 17 was a punch card computer. The first computer I worked on took up an entire room because it was a mainframe. And, th and that was the only option. Nothing else existed at the time for us plebeians to work on, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that, I, you know, I was um, born in 1963. So, you know, I had my first um, home computer in 19, at the end of 1984. 
was when I got my first home computer and I was unusual. Most people didn't have home computers then, but I got it because I was going to graduate school. Um, So, you know, and, and my father was trying, he bought it for me and he wanted to figure out what's a good brand. Well, he didn't, who knew with computers, right? So he liked Canon cameras. So he bought me a Canon home computer. They don't exist anymore. No, no. Right. You know, so um, that, and I also had VHS and Betamax. So, you know, that, that just says how old I am. Um, But I said, you know, well, the thing is, no, there was no internet for me to look, look up. I, you know, I like feeling controlled. I, you know, I like dominance. Like I just had to figure it out. Well, how did you figure it out? Well, there was such a thing as a library. And in those days, the libraries weren't nearly as censored as they are today. Like we believed that information was important and um, we had moved into a more permissive age. So, you know, you could get a lot of things in the library and I went and found books in the library and I was allowed to go and read and I went and read. And then, you know, when I was 15, I went to the art theaters and watched movies in the art theaters. I mean, you know, and they were like, well, how did you find people? And I said, well, I put an ad in the village voice. What do you mean you put an ad? I said, well, we the, there were personal ads in the papers. You really spoke to someone young who just, you know, the disappointing part, because I don't know when studying history became obsolete. And we're talking about 30 years. We're not yeah. talking far back. No. But it's like, I, 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 I love history. I love documentaries. But then you have, you find that you talk to people and they're like, well, what's that? How did you do this? How did you do that? And you're like, you know, you're only talking about something 30 years ago, 40 yeah, years ago. How do ago. you not know? How do you not know? I, you know, you're just, all you're telling me is you've decided not to put in the time to research, which is disappointing because, you know, if we have a discussion about Renaissance, there are some things I don't know, but there's some things I do. Was yeah. I there? Of course not, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's something that's happened in, and you bring up a point about libraries because it is quite scary that the censoring and, and whatnot and what's taking place um, is at a level that is definitely concerning. In because the US, I probably couldn't go into some libraries now and find the story about. No, probably not. And I couldn't even tell you the last time I stepped in one. You know, I, the last time I've been in one because it's just something that I'm not gonna go do, right? I have I have the internet at my fingertips. I'm in my office. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna find any and everything here, hopefully. You know, that's the challenge, hopefully. So that part is definitely there's a lot of things in, you know, technology is unbelievable. The things we can do that look, look what we're doing right now. It's yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely. You really think about it. But then there's the other aspects that are concerned. And that's certainly throughout history. I find it fascinating because I, I mean, I don't go to the library regularly, but the last library I was in was the British library. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I was looking for an obscure reference. And when I think about, when I say I did my research, I don't mean I I Googled it. I mean, like I went to try and find original sources and, you know, and trying to explain to to kids who tell me, well, do your research or that I did my research and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, everything you've just said to me is wrong. Like yeah. uh, particularly, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on around gender and it's a very controversial area and people are taking a party line that bears no resemblance to scientific reality whatsoever. Yeah. 
and they'll, you know, be, you know, well, you just, you know, you're just not modern. You're not up to date. And, you know, this is, this is, this is that that's actually wrong. And then I'll, you know, quote the science and, and they're like flabbergasted. Well, what do you mean? Well, there's actual science out there. Like what you're saying is, and it is not scientific fact and make a distinction. I'm okay. If you make a distinction, I'm not okay. If you try and tell me the sky is green. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's green. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's really frightening to me how many people that I thought were otherwise intelligent whose reaction to somebody saying, but this is a scientific fact is to decide to cancel them because they feel that they, cause they don't agree with them. Yeah. I just like, that's how we get smaller and smaller pools of information. And, and I guess that's the thing with the media that I find scary because the media is capable of really manipulating somebody's feelings yeah, as well as their opinion in ways that are big enough to cause um, seismic changes in politics, in laws, in permissions. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And, And on a daily basis, when you're dealing with media, as I do, you have those challenges. I'm sort of forced for the trees and in the trenches to where I have a job to do. I get paid to do a job by my clients. And so there, you know, the aspect of what you're talking about, I'm not saying I ignore, I'm fully aware, but I have a job to do. So it's a careful balance of not feeding that sort of line of rhetoric, but still mm-hmm. accomplish what I'm trying to do. Um, very challenging, very, very, you know, you have to be, you know, I have to be on my toes. And at the end of the day, when I work with specific things that are sort of left of center that people want to write about or talk about and ask questions, I'm in a space where I believe I'm going to get more leeway and get more truths out because of the interest of the media person uh, outlet. And then ultimately the audience who will read it from their publishing, Uh, not perfect by any stretch, nor will it ever be but it does give me something a little bit of leeway to where I'm not getting caught up in exactly what you're talking about, which is horrifying, which we are seeing, you know, and we're seeing it because at the end of the day, it all involves money. I I, I don't, I don't, you can find any other reason source or whatever, you know, these places have to survive and they survive on payrolls and, and keeping the lights on. And how do they do it? Well, they have to have traffic. They have to have advertising. They have to have sponsors. They have to, you know, have affiliate programs. There's a lot of ways that they create revenue and the creation of revenue keeps them alive. So we're going to always have that very tricky balance and we're not going to have, you know, everyone wants to sort of have that mindset of an old sixties model of, you know, your, your nighttime primetime television person feeding sure. you but, Walter you know. Cronkite you know Walter yeah. Cronkite who fed you a a more not unbiased because nobody's unbiased but a more unbiased yeah. line and, and even like yeah. and you have like a 60 minutes where some people I'll leave names off but have left 60 minutes and gone on to re- to do whatever they're doing to report whatever they want to report because they feel like whatever they were doing before wasn't in line with their views and there you go 
and obviously there's one person in mind. But it's very interesting how you have to really look at sources a little harder. And well, you it's con- I, you've got confirmation. Sure, you've got confirmation bias that people forget about. You know, I did a um, did a chapter for a professional book that's coming out this August, um, and it's a two book series um, being done by Pink Therapy, very respected organization over here. And the books one one book is called Erotically Queer, and the other book is called Relationally Queer. And they're both they're for therapists to educate therapists into how to work with people that are not heteronormative, not standard heteronormative. And I did the chapter on kink and BDSM. I'm talking to therapists about bias. And to do it, I was looking at at, um, at some sources and um, talk about implicit bias mm. and the implicit associations test, which was developed by Harvard. And I did a modification of that for kink and BDSM. But one of wow. the great forms of bias is confirmatory bias, right? So if you are a media person who wants to go and represent your own views, to a degree, I understand wanting to, you know, wanting to go and 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 cover things in in a broadly your own views. But what's happened now is we have people acting on confirmatory bias all all the time, and and they don't even want to entertain something that doesn't fit in with their yeah. own views. And then when we move that to social media, we have algorithms that make it possible for people to go to an entire day and never hear something that's contrary to their viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. I find and I play with that because like on TikTok, I'll watch things because I'm curious as to what somebody who I think maybe I disagree with. I'm curious as to what those people are saying. And my whole algorithm will change. My whole for you page will change based on watching a few videos. Yeah. And that's all I'll see for 48 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very eye-opening. And you have to be sort of on your toes because you can go down a wormhole in that regard. And all of a sudden, and that's why you have so many people being fed specific information because of what they clicked on or what they looked for. You know, I mean, I've always been a big fan of the weeding out that society weeds itself out for better or worse that you know cream rises and the educated will 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 be fine um but you do worry about those who fall into these sort of traps wormholes sinkholes and everything else i'm worried about the educated right now (laughs) and there you go i mean you it's it's starting to creep up right I'm worried but about I think, people that I normally would have thought of was educated that are making this stupid, don't even recognize a circular definition. But right? the, you know what? But the difference is ego. That's ego. Thank you. That's the difference. True. Because that's where ego comes in versus those who are just simply not smart. When smart ones are acting in the manner that you're talking about, that's ego. And that's a whole different can. You know, it's fascinating to me because, you know, I mean, so, you know, if you told me 10 years ago, I'd be working with with somebody in PR, I would have laughed at you, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because I was like, no, I don't need people. You know, I never, you know, I couldn't imagine myself needing people. And one day I woke up and I had people like multiple. And I went, oh, my God, I have people. That's so weird. It's wild, right? It is. It's absolutely crazy. But it really, if you want to 
manage this machine, you have to have somebody who understands the machine working with you. So yeah. it's not for me, it's not just about getting ahead, which obviously I want to be more well known because I want my work to get out there. Ultimately, I need to feed myself. So, uh, you know, if I'm more well known, then I end up earning more. Um, I, I want to do some of the things I want to do. And if I'm more well known, then I can do some of the things on my bucket list that it, I always It opens do. doors. Right. It, it opens, opens doors. doors. But it's yeah. also about I have to I have to have somebody around me who understands what's going on can understand the trends, can see an avalanche coming before it comes. Yeah. You know? Also understands you. Yeah. No, no. It has to, it has it's to, a relationship. Why, yeah, know, that's more. why it has to be, I'm working with somebody, not I'm looking at trends and, and somebody's just giving me advice like about, and I don't know who those people are, but they're not PR people. Yeah. Uh, but there are people, you know, that just give you advice and just, you know, talk about trends and don't necessarily understand you or your business or what you're trying to do. Yeah. But it's necessary. Otherwise, you get overrun. Well, to go into the public publicist client relationship, it is exactly that. And it's there's two things I always stress uh, in the in this regard. When it works, it's a relationship. It's a team effort. And yeah. you know this. It's you and I going back and forth. It's I'm bringing stuff to you, you're bringing stuff to me, you're accomplishing stuff for, for the betterment of you, uh, things happen, you know, it, it, the opposite, and this has been across the board, whether I worked with bands, you know, adult stars, you name it, across the board, doesn't matter who, who they are and what they do. It doesn't work when said person sits back and goes, well, what, do you, what have you done for me lately? And they're not doing anything. And they're just thinking, I deserve to be famous. I am entitled to this. I, I, this, why isn't this happening? And I go, well, have you done X, Y, and Z? Well, no. Okay. Well, that's why it's not working. You know? And there are plenty of people in this world that you can look at and go like, wow, they got famous on whatever it is. But I can tell you this much. Tom Cruise works his ass off. <laughs> I can tell you that Julia Roberts works her ass off. Uh, I can tell you the Kardashians work their asses off. People put it, and I know there was that whole thing that Kim Kardashian got in trouble for, and we won't go too far into it about, about you know, work and, and putting the work in. But you, we could have a million different conversations. At the end of the day, if you outwork someone, you have a better chance of winning. If you put in the practice, if you put in the time. I mean, I'm a big sports guy. That's what sports is all about. Sports is how do I improve to a place where I am better than my competition? How do I improve that I am the leader of my team or the best in my singularity sport? Well, it's practice and well, it's practice over and over. Do you think though that there are people who, and I know people in my field or related fields because my field now includes people who have no qualifications whatsoever um and that is a same by the way same yeah that's a social <laughs> media thing now right there are like people who think that they can step from you know um from being an adult entertainment to yeah. doing what i do and that there's no difference between them and me yeah i mean okay i mean i mean you're licensed you're educated you have degrees publicists are unlicensed mm. don't need an education because i'll be i'm a college dropout point Point blank. I started, you know, my aunt, my 30th anniversary is next month. 
when the person who answered the phone at Deaf American happened to be in the public relations department. And I started interning three days a week. It was February of 93. I was a senior in high school. So it's, I knew from the very beginning, if I was serious about this, it was about putting in the work. And I went away to school. I had a music scholarship and I always joke with, with people in my circle that it was a good nine month drinking sabbatical where I learned to be an 18 year old and realized, okay, I, I want to be serious. Let's go back and start working. And I was fortunate to get a job right off the bat. Mm. Um, that's, that ultimately opened other doors and continued my career. But it was, to me, it was, I'm going to be in a field where anyone can say they're a publicist. Anyone can literally say it. And the joke back in the day was if you had a Rolodex, obviously that word's outdated. But, you know, if you have a database, if you have, you know, boom, I'm a publicist. Okay. But at the end of the day, you can say it, but then you got to put in the work. So here's the the amusing thing. So today um, I'm still unpacking that people who have been listening to me will understand the saga of unpacking. So we're going through books today, getting rid of stuff that probably I should have gotten rid of ages ago mostly because they don't have the wall space and keeping stuff and whatever. And I came across a book of unusual laws. And one of them was, and I can't pronounce the word, so I'll just say, in Iceland, anyone can be a doctor as long as they put quack doctor is what the word means. Wow. On the door, right? <laughs> so wow. if you're to medical school, you can still say you're a doctor as long as you advertise as literally a quack doctor. Quack doctor, yeah. I think it's wonderful, right? Uh, could you imagine the amount of quack professions in the United States? <laughs> oh my God, it'd be fabulous. Um, but it, you know, it's, it is that thing about, I have seen people not put the work in, but succeed on the basis of whatever. Sure. Um, there, there are people who, who claim sexology, who haven't had any real education or experience who yeah. do come from the adult entertainment industry who think they know everything. And because they have a fan base there, parlay that into, you know, advice and coaching and things like this. Sure. And, you know, I, and I watch that, that'll come up. Eventually somebody does something stupid or people realize they don't know what they're talking about. But I remember a friend of mine saying to me, well, how come, how come they're not hiring you for that? Right. They're hiring this person who's got, who, I've listened to them and half the information they give is wrong. It's like, because they don't know me yet. Yeah. And also who's doing the hiring? You know what I mean? Like that's a whole different thing. Well, yeah. You, I mean, you, you know, just it, don't know. well, yeah. And sometimes I do know, and I know why exactly yeah. why they're hiring her. Yeah. Right. But, but I was like, you know, not to say I haven't been miffed by things like that. It, I, I have particularly when it's a 20 something trying to give relationship advice at 22 years old. And I'm like, okay, you shouldn't be allowed to give relationship advice at 22 years old, yeah. right? Because at 22 years old, you don't know shit. Yeah. But- I mean, know, yeah. You know, but I, I'm you a can big talk fan. about communication skills. You yeah. can give skills, you can teach skills. I'm cool with that. But yeah. to talk about what makes a good sexual relationship at the age of 22? Yeah, that's a bit much. But I'm a big fan of letting people have their own shovels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know. but, so this friend of mine was asking me this and she said, well, why don't you? And I said, what I do is I work in the background. Yeah. I just keep doing what I do. And as long as people see what I'm doing, which is why you have PR, otherwise people don't see what you're doing and you can work your ass off 
And because there are so many of so many different types of people, you know, there is a degree of luck involved. Like somebody has to actually see what you're doing. Um, but, you know, as long as you keep doing that work, then somebody's going to eventually recognize the work that you're doing. 100%. Totally agree. And and I, I, I like to keep it that simple. I believe it works because it just, it's been proven over centuries that your, your work ethic, your passion, your desire, yes. your communication, and, and your ability to know where you're at, at at certain places, I think is vital. You know, I try not to overcomplicate, you know, again, going back to the music industry, and it's certainly changed now, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, the success of an artist is how good is their music and how good are they live, right? Oh, yeah, it always was that. It always was that. But it still is. It still is. And they have to practice. And, and you know, it's a different industry now than when I was full bore in it. But at the end of the day, the people I know, you know, it's about playing it live. It's about it's about writing it, recording it and playing it live. Ed Sheeran's a good example of that. Changed. That Ed hasn't Sheeran. changed. Yeah, Ed Sheeran's a really good example of that. Oh my goodness! He, I mean, his story is incredible. I mean, basking or busking and living up—you know—you hear those stories. And he and, worked and, his ass off from day one and refused to um, back down quit. Quit. and refused you, to quit. And eventually, somebody went, "Hey, this guy's good." You know who I love, and I've known Lady Gaga. Yes. Just hustled, hustled, yes. worked hard, unbelievable. And we know where she is, you know, and it continues to strive for, for big and great things. You know, I just saw her last year. It's incredible. And, and her body is beaten up like a professional athlete. She's had surgeries. Like she is, she has had all kinds of injury. You know, this is a singer. But she's a performer and she has had to put her body through through hell and high water. Yeah. She works hard. And and Ed Sheeran, you know, work and so, you know, it's one of those things where you might see the person when they're up here and, and this part, but you don't see anything below the surface that took them to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I know I, I just think it's I think it's fascinating. But before we end off, yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about this. Um Royals thing just briefly. Please. Ask so, me questions. I don't even I I if you can feed me really direct questions, I will answer them based on opinion and some knowledge. So here's the thing. Okay, and I don't know whether you've seen the UK interviews as well as the US ones. But I'm gonna I, I, you, I've only watched so many both sides of the pond. I'm gonna tell you that the UK is being fed different information than the US. Of course. Makes sense. Okay, so um, what's what are his PR people doing? <laughs> Selling books, and a lot of them in the okay. millions. Okay. Selling books because, and someone wrote about this the other day. What are they going to do next? They've they're about to run out of this story. They're about this well is about to go dry. They've now completely alienated themselves from the royal family, and they're a family out in Santa Barbara. How, I mean, it sounds crazy to say how will they survive, but at the end of the day, how much water can they pull from this well? So to answer your question, 
selling books. So that's, I mean, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, the reality is there's a lot of money there. And, and I find it really, one of the things that angers me is this disingenuous bullshit about, you know, the need for money. There was money completely separate from the public purse when we talk about the royal and family. And we don't even know. Like, who knows? Well, we know, we know, we know enough to know that there's a lot. Yeah. We don't know I, how much. We just know, we just know there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot that, that wasn't dependent on what the king decided to do. Yeah. There's a lot that's completely separate. Um, part of this, if you understand um, some of what goes on over here, there's, there, you know, being the spare, there is actually money put aside for the person who will not be um, supported via the public purse, that the family puts money aside for them so that they will be okay, right? Because people take care of their own. So there's all of that. Um, but I had to wonder what, what, what they thought they were doing now because- um, Can I tell you what I feel like I'm watching? I feel like I'm watching one of Stephen King's novels come to life. I believe it's the Twin Towers, if I'm correct. Perhaps, about yeah. the two brothers, and I'm watching this, and I'm, and I'm, I just feel like it's a real life Stephen King novel. And people would go, "Oh my God, horror. no, no, no!" Stephen King wrote a lot of things, but he yeah, wrote about horror. he wrote about two brothers and the kingdom. And I, I mean, I, I hope I'm right, and I hope it was Twin Towers. It's been so long since I read it, but. I just feel like I'm watching a novel come to life and it's just sort of, and, and the saddest part is these are actual humans involved, yep. you know? Um, I mean, personally, I'm an older brother. I have a younger brother. Okay. I'm an older so my, sister. So my opinion, okay. Might not be of what the mainstream opinion is because I'm the older. Mine anyone, certainly isn't. <laughs> and there, so uh, without saying it, you and I are saying it. Uh, I can tell. So it's just one of those things where I just listen to this and I just go, okay, okay. You want to? I, I, the reason I asked what's a PR person doing is um, there's some woman on TikTok, I can't remember her name, and you'd yeah. probably know it if I told you because she's well known, yeah. who, um, who does, um, who is a PR person who talks about the cri PR crisis management, right? Like that, that's her thing, right? Yeah. That's her thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and her comments on all of this are so biased. And to me, highlight the fact that she doesn't know fuck all about over here. Yeah. And there are like, there, there's like backstory over here that doesn't make it to America. And there's, yeah. And, they, and there's different things you're being told from what we are because we see both and there's yeah. all sorts of stuff. But this person obviously doesn't know what goes on over here. Um, yeah. And so bias came through, but I, I'm often interested in her, like how, when somebody has a crisis, how they should be handling it, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm fascinated by the idea of what we think they should be doing here. But, it, but what you say makes absolute sense. Like what they're doing right now is making sure that they sell as many fucking books as this possible. This isn't crisis PR. You know that, oh, right? This is yeah, straight yeah. up sales. Yeah, yeah. This is a firm was hired, maybe multiple firms, who knows, a lot of money being spent where, where, this, is, where this is happening. Remember, his wife is an actress. So I haven't forgotten that. Her, her, she has plenty of experience with PR firms. 
and and whatnot. So they just they they're they're selling a book at the end of the day, and they're doing well. They're selling books, and that's the number one concern with this entire thing. But the word crisis to me is like nowhere in the picture. No, and I, I wasn't suggesting that this was crisis PR. I was just saying that that's yeah. how I ended up watching this person. Yeah, sure, sure. And I just was like, well, what do we think they're doing? Because some of what's some of what's going on, burning bridges is the understatement. And there are ramifications to what they're doing that um, it'll be It'll be, you know, it'll be interesting. Let's have this conversation in a year. Let's well, have that's this what I want. That's what I want to know. Like, what's going to happen in the year? January of twenty-four, and let's see where they're at. Because at yeah. the end of the day, and we could talk about money, and maybe, like you said, he's they're set for life. They don't have to worry. But they're still young. True. What are they going to do? True, are and they, they live gonna... differently, and they also live differently. I mean, you know, when I yeah. say that money isn't a thing, I don't mean that they don't need to earn money because I yeah. understand. Other people may not understand, but I understand, and I always think it's important for people to remember this, that no matter how much money somebody does have, that doesn't mean that they don't need money because people often live to the ends of their means and beyond. So like the cost of living crisis in the United Kingdom, where you're seeing people who are um, nurses and, and ambulance people and fire people having to use food banks, which is horrific. Yeah. There are doctors that are using food banks. There are, you know, I, because because there is a crisis, and it doesn't yeah. mean that somebody who is higher up the food chain isn't in difficulty, because people who earn more also live closer to their means. Yeah. You know, they mean that they're cutting even when they cut out their luxuries, they can be strapped. But let's talk about the fame aspect of this. Right now, they're the hottest couple in the world. Yep. Because there's a book. What if nothing's going on a year from now? And you've had all this fame and now you don't. Well, how do you, and, and, and what, you know, outside of, of, of serious illnesses. And I mean this with all due respect to serious illnesses and the ilk fame and no money is very scary because I've seen it and you, it is, I've had plenty of friends, plenty of people I worked with when you have a lot of fame, but you don't have money, the perspective, the perspectives that you go through, the the sort of roller coaster ride of emotions. And again, we know they have money, but let's talk in a year and see, quote unquote, how famous they are or how they've handled the aspect of they will never quite possibly be as famous as they are in this moment. And yeah, how do they know, handle it? And, and what they've done is, they what they've done is they've cut the way that they could have stayed at a lower level of fame, but permanently, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's what part of being part of the royal family is. You know, they they right even the minor royals, in quotes, they they have a level of fame, right? And they stay that way their whole lives, but because they've cut those they burnt those bridges, they don't have that longevity. You're right. So you know it's possible. Like, what are they going to parlay this to? You know, yeah. um, you know, is she going to go back to acting? Is it how? What do you parlay this to after you have done this? Well, at the end of the day, it'll be based on their circle and how strong and how smart the people around them are, and how are how much are they looking after their own their interests versus their own interests. We will only find out down the road. You know, we're we're going to see this play out 
because they've made this decision to take this to a whole other level and scale yeah. to where we're now it's being thrown in front of us. And, you know, the backlash is you're starting to see the sort of ripple of backlash where it's like, it's too much. I'm done. Thank you. I'll read the book or I'll watch one more interview. You know what? I won't. Do you know, I won't based on the interviews and I've seen of him. Forget her for a second. Just put her to the yeah. side. Uh, based on what I've seen of him talking about various things, I won't read it. Um, I won't read it. I know that it's been fact checked and stupid mistakes were made that weren't corrected. And as, a, as an author, I understand um, you know, how hard it is when you have proofs to make sure you get everything and nobody ever gets everything and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even talking about how memory changes things. That's not what I mean. There are historical yeah. facts that are wrong in this book. Like, uh, uh, like the ghost writer never should have allowed this to go to print. Wow. Not done it. Oh, big historical things are wrong. Wow. Yeah. Like, you know, just big to do with his, his lineage and things like this where he made a comment about his great, great, great grandfather and you know how the line passed down and that person had one child who died in childhood. So that person isn't really part of the lineage. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. and that's something that the, the ghostwriter, who's, a, who's a, 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 a very good author, like, and very well known should have caught. So there's yeah. that, there's that bit. But then, you know, but then there is the stuff he chose to write about. And um, as somebody who's written a memoir myself with very challenging material in it, but who tells everybody that front, Yeah, you know, there are things that are challenging and things that are not. And what you just choose to put in is always interesting. He has said a bunch of things that have repercussions for him. Yeah. And that have made me go, you know what? I really don't want to read this. Whereas before initially I was like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's this all about and actually reading it. Now it's like, I don't even want to waste the time. Do you remember where you were when his mother passed? Uh, yes, absolutely do. Isn't that wild? I, I get chills. I remember who I was with. And I remember that night almost to a T. For me, it was the most bizarre night ever. Um, my mother and my grandmother had visited, been visiting and we would take, I took them to the airport. My, that whole visit was about not letting them know that my then husband, my ex, um, who's no longer alive, um, was drinking again. Mm. Um, and that was a, a, an effort in dancing on the head of a pin because they were staying with us. Mm. And he was really bad by that point. And um, I'd come home from taking them to the airport and he and, and had heard the news on the way home. And so we immediately turned on the television and he was drunk as a skunk, crying his eyes out. Mm. Wow. And that, I just can see it as clear, as clear as day. Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre, most bizarre. And, and it was like a very strange few days after that. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was a very strange time. I got a feel for both of those boys. I mean, what a horrific thing to go through. Publicly. Yes. Well, and I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I feel the same for everybody that, you know, for, for the greeting of the queen, yeah. that they all had to go through this in a time of scrutiny. It brings us back to where we started, right? The scrutiny, yeah. the, 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 um, the amount of information the public demands these days is so different than when Queen Elizabeth acceded to the throne, right? Yeah. She couldn't mourn, obviously, completely privately because she became queen. 
but she didn't have cameras sticking in every aspects of her life. I mean, these people had the whole world, you know, analyzing in a minuscule way while they're attempting to grieve, and they're still grieving. And there's no grace by the public doesn't give any grace for that, which I think is sad. I think is that's one of the things I think about the new world we live in. That's really sad that we don't give people the grace of understanding. Yeah, you know that we're human and we have human things happen in our lives. Sitting shiva. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, if they were Jewish, they'd have had more, more freedom to. Sitting shiva is a wonderful practice. Yeah. Okay, so I'll probably I'll, I'll say this for my audience who, you know, for those of you listening who don't know, sitting Shiva is the practice that Jews undertake. It's our morning ritual. And um, the immediate family will sit for seven days. Um, and the whole focus is on grieving. And we do a lot of ritual things so that we're only focused on grieving. And people come by and visit um, and they bring food and they talk about the person who's deceased. And it's, it's an enforced seven day period of mourning. And then after that, there's 30 lesser days of mourning where your community expects that you are still grieving and gives you space to do that. It's a wonderful practice because yeah. it gives you the space to actually start that grieving process, which um, other um, traditions, other ethnic traditions don't necessarily give you. And on a lighter note, lots and lots of bagels. Yes. And lots and lots of food. Oh, my God. Never the amount of food when my father when my father passed the amount of food in that kitchen it's just like how many of us do you think there are (laughs) i went and visited friends of mine whose mother passed and i brought food obviously and i looked around i was like are are we feeding an army (laughs) yes the answer is yes the answer is absolutely yes and it's really funny because i compared that to um when my father-in-law passed where people to bring food as well believe it or not the um, baptists in the south the black baptists in the south they do bring food as well um yeah. but not in quite the same way but but still happened like that the family was there but he has many more relatives than i did so they were truly feeding an army and there was enough food for the army whereas in <laughs> my family there was enough food for about six more families <laughs> Her, my mother's freezer was stocked for months <laughs> no Oh, it's so funny. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it was my absolute pleasure. So if people want to get a hold of you, where do they find you? So bsgpr.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at bsgpr. I've always kept it simple and linear, five letters. Um, but yeah, all my contact info is on my website. So I appreciate uh, anyone who has any questions or interest or curiosity, anyone starting. You know, I'm all, you know I was very fortunate to have incredible people help me when I started my company, people that helped me when I went from position to position. And I've always tried, tried to live up to those people who helped me to help those. I think it's so vital and so important. I, I don't look at competition. I don't look at, I try and help. If you don't, if, if you're the type of person that doesn't do that, that's on you. I try and help those in this field because it's hard. It's a lot. And, uh, and, but it's, you have to have passion. It's the one thing I, I always push is if you're not passionate about what this field is, please find another field, please. Because as you know, we can, we communicate two, four, seven, six, five, three sixty five, And that's the way it is. Cause yep. 
anything happens at any time. Well, there's it's a 24 always... hour news cycle now. So, you know, yeah. that it's been one for a long time. Yeah. So you got to have that passion, but yeah, bsgpr.com. Brilliant. So everybody, thank you so much for joining me again this week. Uh, next week, the letter will be N. If you have a topic you want to hear about or somebody you'd like to hear on the show, please do email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com and please leave a review. I know people hate to leave reviews for shows that are about sex and relationships, but it's really, really helpful to me. Each month, I do a raffle of 30 minutes free time with me, which you cannot get any other way. Um, if you leave a review for either this show or any of my books, email me and just put review in the subject line. I will then have your address. I will go look for the review and I will throw your name into the hat for 33 minutes. Have a wonderful week. Be safe. And I'll speak to all of you soon. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it. But especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments, or questions, do email at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com, and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy. 